Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. Hi, and welcome back to Perfectly Imperfect. I am Christine. And I'm Regina. This is the first. We're recording in New York today. I know. What is this? Christine's in New York. Christine, like, never leaves her bed couch, so this is a big deal to get her to come across the country to see me. I know. Well, I am so excited to be in New York. We've been talking about it forever since, like, you've moved here. Yes. It only took three and a half years. Oh, I know. (laughs) But then, you know, now that we're here, we're going to be meeting up with so many friends. Yeah. Because I'm, like, so popular. We're with one of them now. (laughs) We're with one of them now. And she recently moved to New York, joined me back in June. And I feel like we've been able to bond a lot, considering the fact that we're from California. And we're always talking about, like, the differences between East Coast, West Coast. Yes, girl. I feel like we were able to bond very easily over that. And I've admired her work for so long. Christine always calls me her stalker. Oh, yeah. I was like, don't even downplay it. She's always like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love her so much. Oh, my God. Look at this. Oh, my God. It's a little creepy. I was, this is actually like my excuse yeah. to hang out with her some more. I was like, oh, do you want to like join us on our podcast? No, the truth is we started this podcast so Regina could interview exactly and get to know our mystery guests on a really stalker level. I feel like we have to introduce her now. I will let you have the honors with this one. It's <laughs> Jeanette! Thank you guys for having me. Jeanette is an extremely talented graphic designer. We were talking about her start at lunch, and I just I'm I'm so excited for you guys to hear about it because she just has yeah because I'm creepy (laughs) no but she just has so much passion in everything that she does and she's so clever like every time I see her work I'm always like oh my god I need to show someone this it's so witty well thought out well thought out yeah and like you can really see you and your personality shine through and I really really admire that I'm like, gonna I cry <laughs> we always get that I know I know, I know. but like really really I think that it was one of those things where it was like oh my gosh I can't wait for other people to be able to hear your story because I know that you're a very visual person right like a lot of people know you for your work mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily know your background and know how you got to where you are yeah. today so I'm really excited to dive into that yeah I'm so excited that I mean you guys are my friends so I feel like we have these conversations all the time anyway and now it's just recorded exactly that's the beauty of this podcast right <laughs> yeah. but yeah. on top of that like other interviews I might have done they come from like a very design background Mm. and I feel like you guys know my work yes but you also know me and my background in terms of like you relate to it Mm -hmm. I don't talk to a lot of people that are like yeah we came from you know an Asian American household and we had x amount of pressures put on us and that's something that's like glazed over really often in other interviews so it's cool that we can dive into it yeah Yeah. and you guys are getting a real special treat because we were just talking about this at lunch where Jeanette is just the gift that keeps on giving Mm -hmm. where it's like a movie that you have to watch it like three four times in order to like you see something new every single time because there's so much complexity to her but in such a positive insightful way like Regina said when you look at her art it's not just the art itself that's gorgeous but like what she's trying to say through that and even just her how she sees the world it's just super special I feel like there's something that's more often than not like a little negative and then she'll shine a positive light on it and I was like whoa do I? she's like the Buddha she's just like (laughs) okay we gotta stop this right now all is well in the world the line has been crossed we need to retreat slowly back to mortal land (laughs) 
Michael, I appreciate that so much. I'm so excited to be recording with you because I feel as many of the guests that we bring on, there's always a certain perception of them before getting to know you. And then it's like, oh, wow, someone as amazing as Jeanette or Regina also shares the same insecurity or worries that I do. Because mm. now you're so far along in your journey, some people are at the beginning and yeah. they cannot imagine how someone like you started. Going into today's topic, we felt this is so appropriate for someone like Jeanette because she actually talked about this in a past interview. And Regina, like a true creepy stalker <laughs> fan, like screenshot she, it. <laughs> she screenshot it and she referred to it in one of our past episodes. So now that we get to talk to you and elaborate, with you about it. We wanted to go into the responsibility of fulfilling your purpose. We had an episode where we talked about passion and purpose, but there is this kind of like mindset where it's irresponsible to be chasing this unstable life, mm-hmm. especially from an Asian American household where we're taught to pick the right stable thing. And then when you go haywire, apparently, and you choose the exact opposite thing than what your parents recommend or what your cousins are doing or whatever, suddenly you're irresponsible. Suddenly you're not thinking about your futures. Now we want to go into what is this path really like? Is passion enough? to sustain this lifestyle? What else do you need? What are the practical tips and stories and things that you guys each have done on this path? And what are the things that you still struggle with? So let's just start off with growing up as we always like, we always go into the past. It's important. Growing up, what did you guys think your responsibilities were for your own future or what you wanted for yourself? Mm, I feel like I acknowledged really early on that I was on a path that I'd have to take responsibility for myself. That's why, though, I never talked about it to like my peers or like my family. I already acknowledged that I wasn't going to get back what I needed to to hear, you know, mm. validation that, oh, yeah, this is a good path. I knew that's not what's going to happen. Mm. So I carry that through in life now, too, because I don't think to myself, oh, should I ask somebody if this is the right thing to do? I've acknowledged since I was like eight years old that whatever I chose to do was totally intentional and up to me to like fulfill. So I couldn't really complain about it. Wait, how did you come to that? Was it something yeah. that was natural or something that happened in your life at eight years old that made you like, <laughs> I need to take responsibility? Yeah, like, I realize <laughs> that that sounds really distancing and I definitely don't mean for it to be. I think that that actually I like, relate to a lot of young people now in terms of like what they struggle with choosing their path because it wasn't like I just sat there and knew all the steps to take for sure I didn't I was reaching out in all crazy directions probably making tons of dumb moves along the way but I knew that I was artistic that was like just something that was dropped on my lap you know some people say don't believe in like talent or whatever but it's something that was given to me early and so you kind of like follow it so for me I knew that that was something that I felt responsible for mm. I felt like this is how I'm useful I separated school from my purpose like really early on because if I got straight A's, that was to shut everyone up. Mm. Like, listen, people think that you choose art when you can't do anything else, right? Mm. That's like the stigma. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, if I can prove to you that I'm capable of everything, Mm. then you can probably leave me alone to do the thing that I think is the smartest for me to do. Mm -hmm. So then you were also pulling good grades while fulfilling your art. Was it like, if you got good grades, then your parents would be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I just wanted like the parental support and the friend support to be separate from the thing that I was pursuing. Maybe I could control freak that in that way. Like, I didn't want outside things to affect what I wanted to achieve. I wasn't like waiting on people to say like, oh, good job. Good job. Or like, oh, you should do that. I was like, separate that. If you think that, then like, thank you. And I appreciate it. If you don't think that, 
I was going to do it anyway. Mm. Wow, that's a really mature way of looking at it because I think I had a really hard time differentiating that. I really struggled with school and then I had that be a reflection of me mm. and my capabilities. Yeah. Kind of that like, you know, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will think that it's an idiot kind yeah, of Yeah, I didn't thing. want that to be the case. Yeah, it's very different, I think, especially growing up with Asian American families where for me growing up, it's not that my parents were like forcefully being like, oh, we made so many sacrifices mm. for you, but... I felt it. I think we all feel that, like, you know, like, first-gen immigrant, like, effect of, like, Mm -hmm. there is a burden, for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, and I think that that was something that I was always just very worried about. Like, growing up, I was always very enamored by, like, TV shows and movies, and I never grew out of that. Like, I loved its ability to connect and tell stories and all of that, and it became stronger as I grew older. Whenever I would tell my parents about it, they're always very supportive of me, but when it came to something like this, and not that they weren't supportive, they were just very skeptical. They didn't understand this world. Oh, well, if you you go down this life of a starving artist, you're never going to be able to provide for yourself. I don't want to say it in a negative connotation, but they're just, they're worried about us, right? They love us. They want us to do well. They want us to succeed. But I think I had a really hard time of separating that. I still do, where I still feel the need to prove to my parents all the time, like, no, 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 like, this is, I got this, I got this, this is stable, this is good, like, I can do this. Yeah, yeah. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. In a way, it's like, you're still seeking their validation, but in what you're doing now, Mm -hmm. in your choice, Mm -hmm. yeah. Jeanette, is it because, like, you were very confident in your art at that age? Like, you did it for you? I definitely wasn't confident in my art. If anything, I feel like what drove me to work harder was that I felt like I wasn't at the level that I should be. It sounds like so neurotic for a young person, but that's because I really place that burden on myself Mm. because I knew that just talking about wanting to pursue a creative career was not going to cut it. Mm. Talking about wanting to be a designer was not going to do me any favors, was not going to make my family any less worried. So I wanted to put in the work. This is what I always say. I didn't want to ever lower my parents' expectations or standards of success for me. Mm. I just knew that it would take time for them to redefine what their definition of success for me would be. Mm. I knew that's just because they cared about me, that they had doubts and skepticisms. Like I relate to all of those Mm -hmm. emotions for sure. It's just that. I knew that now was not the time. I was like, mm. It's not like this like, neurotic eight-year-old like <laughs> brewing, but it's also that I was an only child too. My parents weren't the most present when I was little either. I'm not saying that to be bitter. It's just like, I also had a lot of time to stew those thoughts in my head, you know, like what my grand scheme of becoming that thing I mm-hmm. wanted to be would be. So in your head at that age, what would you want to be when you grow up? Well, <laughs> when I was in kindergarten, I said I wanted to be a poet. Oh my god. (laughs) I know, it wasn't even an artist, it's poet. (laughs) Well, I wanted to be a poet who had books that I illustrated my own books. That was very specific. I like wrote that and things. I just like to rhyme things. It would be dumb things I like to rhyme. And it does play into my work kind of today. I like when designs and wordplay and relating to people through visual like strategy, if you will, like is all about connecting the dots. I feel like it's all about finding like commonalities between like visuals, but also commonalities between like words and stuff so Mm -hmm. all those things like really tied together I didn't know when I was at all and then I wanted to be a designer and then I was like I want to work for IDEO and then I was like I want to work for Nike and like these things like just started building up but quietly I never told anybody wow I wanted to work the cash register (laughs) (laughs) I was a waitress for like six years like I was I worked at three different restaurants well no I like as like kindergarten that's what I meant I was like oh that look the buttons are awesome (laughs) and here you wanted to be a poet and write your own book that's amazing I think just even having that awareness of that it just shows people have different paths (laughs) 
to make myself feel better. What did your parents want you to be? My parents are very strict, but they're strict in a unique way. I think that my parents are both very worldly, and I wouldn't chalk them up to be like the normal Asian American parents. They weren't like beating me over getting straight A's, for example. They wanted me to achieve great things. They were more worried about maybe my reputation than anything else. And how I presented myself, I think like having this like stigma of like it's true, like Asians arriving in the U.S. and like we want to be successful, but no Asian immigrant family talks about like how do we make our mark. It's all about like how do we recluse into the shadows? How do we adjust ourselves to yeah. the society? It's never like let's make a stand, let's make a name for ourselves. It's yeah. like how do we assimilate the most easily into American culture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think what we'll- makes us model minorities. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't a weird balance to try to dance? Like you have to be successful but be quiet about it yes like don't tell anyone they're like succeed but succeed quietly and not like in other people's faces yeah don't cause a commotion i think i've talked to you about this regina Mm -hmm. like being in a corporate workplace and like coming from an asian american background i've been criticized for being too soft-spoken i don't defend myself Mm -hmm. um but i don't see that as being weak actually i just see that as the way that i behave then i'll go back and be like introspective about it and then take the steps to like correct it or mm-hmm. make the right solution on my own and not in a like loud abrasive way. I um, definitely relate to that. I feel like when we both were talking about yeah. like working for these corporations that we had dreamed of yeah. working for. Given context, Jeanette used to work at Nike. Mm-hmm. She just said it was her dream job growing up. And then Regina worked at CBS. Yes. I looked yeah. at the big shiny buildings and I was like, I want to be yeah. there, you yeah. know. And when I first got there, it was very much so like that where I was like very soft spoken, didn't really speak up. And I would have friends tell me, like, you should be telling your opinions. But I wasn't comfortable with that. And, like, I needed to find my own way of participating versus, like, their way. Because sometimes I think I would try to mimic them too much and then it'd come off as not me or inauthentic. It's all relative. Like, we talk about this because we're suddenly placed in an environment where people are like, be louder, be more than what you feel comfortable with Mm -hmm. but then my family and a lot of my close friends are like oh my god you're so provocative like you can't just say your opinion like that and i'm like torn then i enter the workplace and people are like jeanette you could have said this you could have said this yeah it's like a balance figuring out what works for you and what doesn't and i think when people say oh you know the asian american experience the commonality for me that i'm learning more and more now that i'm hearing more and more stories is respecting a culture that you didn't grow up in Mm -hmm. but it's so much a part of your family history and your parents are still trying to instill all those Mm -hmm. values and stuff in you but you don't understand the context of it because you didn't grow up in that country you Mm -hmm. know and then so you grow up with that and you apply it to your life but then you apply it in a society that doesn't operate that way and then yes we are quote-unquote praised for being the model minority but then it also comes with a lot of negative things you Mm -hmm. know that i think people aren't aware of so i think the asian american experience at least for like first generation second generation that we're still figuring it out it is trying to find ourselves in those two contrasting worlds. We're like in the pre-pubescent pubescent stage. <laughs> like the awkward. Years yeah. Of, yeah. You know, growing up into a self-sufficient human. But, you know, it's taking steps to like respect where someone else comes from, someone else being your family or your community that don't quite understand you just yet. And then also not losing yourself in the process. It's tricky. It's it so tricky, especially when it comes to something that's in the creative field where so much of your validation not only comes from like your inner circle, it comes from your outer circle, right? It's like how well is your audience receiving this content that you're creating? Your designs and stuff, like when other people are looking at it, obviously it feels really good when people like it and they praise you for it, but then it's also like, 
well, how much am I doing it for myself and how much am I doing it for the response of other people? Mm -hmm. And I think that it's become very apparent to me, like the people who are very fixated on that response from Mm -hmm. everyone else and not just doing it for the fact that they're passionate. Well, I wanted to get into this next section of when did you start to quote unquote awaken and how did it happen? It's like basically when you wake up from what you thought was truth and then you see the actual reality to things and you're like, wait a sec this is not what I thought it was. And then you kind of start thinking for yourself, you know, you realize that you thought you were, but you really weren't. For me and for everyone, it's like, oh, is this like a very gradual process? I wish I just woke up one day. Actually, I don't know if I do, but um, <laughs> you were just like, you came out of the womb. Like, yeah, oh. I'm woke, mom. <laughs> um, Literally. <laughs> I feel like everything that I feel strongly about what I am and what I do is always being in contrast to my environment or other people but mm-hmm. i always make the analogy of like i sleep better with noise than without i can't sleep in the silence and i also i can't focus in the silence mm-hmm. because i feel like the most chaotic thing in the room when everything else is so silent so by the same token oh, wow. i was always the most like quote-unquote artistic person growing up and so the more that i was around other people the more that i was like hell-bent on doing what i was doing because i felt so in tune with myself when i was like in contrast with other people so that oh. was was like a gradual awakening because it would come out of these like conversations with people where I would be like wow this thing that you're so focused on it's really great but I just don't relate to it because I didn't comprehend that I was like well then I think the thing that I've been thinking is what's going to work out for me mm-hmm. I guess you could say that's how like I pushed myself past like all those barriers or hurdles of like people telling you this is what you should be doing shouldn't you be a doctor or a lawyer yes I definitely I hit those hurdles hard but I never really questioned myself because every time they came to me I'd be like wow, it's just so painfully clear that Mm. just as there could be a doctor that doesn't care and doesn't have passion for his work and cares about his patients or a lawyer that's just shitty at their job, if that's possible, then it's also possible to be a very effective and impactful designer. So Mm. I would rather be that. And I would rather dedicate my time to that. And yes, people are not going to understand me in the meantime. But I always told myself to have faith in time. If I did the right work, I put out the right things like into the world, that always comes back. I feel like I have to believe that. Otherwise, like there are no amount of validation that you can get online or from asking somebody is going to tell you, yeah, you should do it. You should do it. Like, yes, I will clap all of you listening to the podcast like on the back. Yes, do it. I'm cheering for you. But that's not going to be the thing that like gets you there. It's like you have to hold on to the faith that what you're doing is going to be very, very important, even if people don't think that right now of you. Wow. I know. I feel like I'm being... What, what did I tell you guys? Right I told you. She's so... <laughs> okay, so were you like two when you... When you no, realized writing this? poetry <laughs> in the yeah. title. <laughs> when did you like, gradually come to this realization? Like, like, when did old? it solidify? I can say that college, I went to UCSD. It's not known for its design program for a reason. It doesn't have one. Well, I'll say the art program there just didn't support design as a function. Um, I went to UCSD because honestly, my parents wanted to leave the door open for me to maybe explore something else. I understand Mm -hmm. that in hindsight. And in hindsight, Mm -hmm. I realized that that experience gave me like a lot of resourcefulness. But in the meantime, when I was there, I realized wow, I need to break away from the school system. Yes, I will work hard because in the long run, I will regret it, but I'm not going to leave it up to school to give me what I want. And that's when I started really going out there and like being really proactive. And like I was telling you guys earlier, like I get these amazing touching emails from young girls like how did you do what you do and like how did you get people to approach you or whatever. And like something you should know is that in the beginning, I sent out hundreds hundreds and hundreds of emails in college 
not groveling, but like, hey, I'm here, I exist, I care about design, I will do whatever it takes. Right, because like we were talking about it earlier where the question of is passion enough? Because there's this idealistic sense of like, oh, this path, once you decide and you find your calling, well, then the path will be led open for you, you know? <laughs> but there's so much behind it that, Jeanette, you've been doing this since you were eight, <laughs> you know? But like we've been doing this for a while and it's still a constant, I don't know if battle's the right word, but yeah, we do have mental it's battles. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. always felt like a fighter I've, always, I've been fighting like what I'm supposed to be doing for a long time mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think that people in this community understand that more than when I congregate with people like in the field that I'm actually in when I'm in say conferences or like some kind of design related thing like there's not a lot of people that look like me mm. so I constantly feel like okay I wasn't supposed to be here by someone else's definition so I have to work 10 times as hard to make it known that it shouldn't be confusing to you why my face is showing up in this room. That's so interesting that you say that because I feel like your work speaks for itself. It's confusing on like different levels. And one of the common things that I get is like, I've been in a room before where there's like maybe a male designer next to me and someone will just assume that my aesthetic will be a certain way because I'm female. You know, that's made me hyper conscious of my appearance, Mm. not in terms of like, being attractive, but just like how I present myself to the point where I question why this is even necessary. For example, when I have my get shit done look and like, I shouldn't have to, that is so like, shouldn't that be every look? Like, (laughs) shouldn't that be any look that's polished? This sounds ridiculous, but just like, listen, I've been in like rooms where it's just like, if I'm wearing something that's ultra feminine, then I know that someone is going to think that I design like really feminine, frilly, like with lots of swashes and and flowers and stuff or something along those lines. And just to avoid that altogether, I go in a ponytail and like heel because I'm short. It helps, but not too sexy. Like it's just like this curated thing and I'm aware of it. I, I don't encourage it. I don't think that this is like, oh, step one to, you know, going to, but it's like an eye-opening thing to reflect on and think about that this is what we have to do. Yeah, and that's part of what I realized, not just in this path of like passion and stuff, but also another step of being a woman. There are things that you didn't think you had to think about. Things like that, you know, just to not even make an even playing field. It's just so people won't look at you and already make assumptions about you. And they're not evil people. They're not horrible people. They mean well. It's just these layers of perception that like we have to dig past. And I know that takes time. So as long as we're aware of it, you know, you have to do what you got to do to get your foot in the door. But we shouldn't be blind to the fact that we're doing these extra things. Yeah, Yeah. and that's part of this path. And so, Regina, you also had, like, when you first started and you got to New York, what did you have to do in order to get your foot in the door? When Jeanette was talking about how many people she emailed, I did the exact same thing. And I was (laughs) collaborating with my other friends being like, okay, so how did you email them? Did you go on LinkedIn? Did you email them? You know, we were, like, formulating, like, what is the best way to just get our name out there? I must have sent at least 150, 200 emails when I first got here. You had some good tips on how... Yeah. Well, one of the tips was the, <laughs> this is like this is like a quote unquote cheating way of doing it. But basically, like no, if just you smart. know if you know somebody who works at HBO or know someone who works at like NBC Universal, I knew that it would be like their first name dot last name at NBCUni.com. I, if I want to email Christine and I know she works at NBC, I'll be like Christine dot Chen at NBCUni.com. So I know that it goes directly to their work email versus like their LinkedIn profile because like I get messages on LinkedIn that I like ignore. So I mm-hmm. sent like 200 emails. 
I got one response and that was the response that got me my job at CBS. Boom. So smart. Like I love that because you are putting in the thought. What is it like work work smart not work hard? Nowadays and this is a, a frustration I'm going to try not to like show in my voice but it's true. <laughs> Why are people DMing me for work? I don't care like what century we're in. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have to meet me halfway. You know, like I've gotten Snapchat like briefs. Oh, whoa. And whoa. that's when I just want to put everything away, go in a cave and just not talk to anybody for a while because where has the world gone? <laughs> <laughs> and you write a poem about it. Yeah. That is really true. I think there's a fine line between like being resourceful <laughs> and also just half-assing it. Yeah. And it is one of those things that I realized coming into choosing this quote-unquote unconventional path you have to be resourceful there is no one path it's like oh Jeanette's like oh if you want to be a designer you want to be like me we'll do a b and c Mm -hmm. like these are just ways that you guys have maneuvered and tried and failed and then tried again and failed and tried again and even now we've been doing this it's like you realize that it's still growing pains Mm -hmm. yeah as you continue to grow and fail you'll also start to realize like oh like for Jeanette and I we were both at you know Nike and CBS and now we're like oh wait that's not where I see myself anymore and that's okay and that's okay exactly I think that there are a lot of times where we have these expectations and then we come really hard on ourselves and we end up not trying and I think that's what hurts me the most when I see other people who say like they have all these passions and this is something they really want to do but they either don't work hard enough to get to where they want to be or they just doubt themselves before they even get to start yeah that's what I realized too where I had such high expectations of this path where I was like oh once you know you what you want to do and that's what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. It just seems so, I think so, we're yeah. trained to think that. Yeah. And I think the ultimatum like easy. is really actually detrimental to like when we're in like our formative years. Because we yes. think that like once you choose, that's it. It's black and white. And that's mm-hmm. something that frustrates me about like I was looking through the messages that I get from these girls. I'm sure that you guys get like really similar ones where it's like the common thread is always, how are you so brave? How did you choose to do the creative path? And how did you convince everyone else that it was okay? And it's like we have to look at it as not just being so black and white life is short in some ways but it's also super long in other ways in that you have a lot of time to learn things and just because you're picking up something new or trying something that you feel like you might be good at and you just want to see that doesn't make it your identity it's not like you're coming out of the closet as like a designer you can take that design course and you don't have to reveal to your parents that you weren't the child they thought you should be (laughs) you can absolutely help the store down the street design their new logo that just makes you a blank whatever you were who designed a logo and you're working on something you don't have to be intimidated by the fact that once you choose something that it's like wow you are doomed to this path and all the consequences and you better be prepared to like have something to say for yourself you don't you have the opportunity and the responsibility to go out and do the things that make you like a whole person without feeling like it's everything yeah Mm. that's so well said I just saw a quote where it was like don't climb the mountain for other people to see you climb the mountain so you can see the world Mm. and then it's just like your true intention and motivation which is really what will guide you through this whole journey it's just a journey and everyone's like oh appreciate the journey not the destination but that's part of it where that was a fantastic quote placement yeah because it's like I went into every job thinking like oh my god can I see myself doing this for the rest of my life and that's all I focus on right I'm like well I don't want to be like you know picking up trash I 
want to be blah, blah, blah. But then the thing that you don't realize at that age is like that's teaching you work ethic. Yeah. yeah. Like you get to actually be behind the scenes and see how this business is run. You won't regret mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. No, you're not getting paid. Like maybe even spending your own money on gas to like get to a certain place. And that's where like my parents never understood. They're like, if you're going to be doing work, you should be getting paid. I'm not saying everyone needs to put in the grunt work, but that's the part where I think people take for granted. Especially after college, you're like, I just paid all this money. Like, are you serious? I'm going to be doing this. But you can't go from A to Z. Like, oh yeah, I've always wanted to design and stuff like that. And you see someone like Jeanette working at Nike and you're like, how do I get that job? It's not a point A to point B to point C. It is the stuff like where Jeanette's saying, like, you find ways to get experience, to try to learn from other people who have done it. But you have to take that with a grain of salt. It's not just going to be like, oh, cool. I want to do exactly what Jeanette's doing. So how do I get an internship with Jeanette? It's not like medical school where it's like four years of this, three years of this, two years. You know, it's like very straightforward. I think that one of the beauties of the creative field is that everybody's path is so different. There's going to be similarities. There are going to be things that you like really bond over. But, you know, just within the three of us sitting here, like our paths are so different. And we've had such different experiences, but that's what we are able to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes you unique. And that's what makes you special as a creator. If you keep trying to mimic everyone else, then you're not you. Then you're just trying to be everyone else. And you have to put in the work. This is the most important thing. You have to put in the work and focus on what really matters is like you're there to learn and you're there to grow and develop and cultivate those skills that ultimately will take you to quote unquote your dream job. And again, it's not your dream job. Your dream destination is to always constantly be growing and being the best version of yourself in whatever field or in life in general. So you're never fully done. But then I think it's like the intention behind following this path of like what's my purpose it's not so i want to say it's not so easy and i want to ask you guys like what do you guys still struggle with what are your insecurities what are you guys like mental battles that you guys have now that you've been doing it for so long now that you've been at nike now that you've worked at cbs none <laughs> yes <laughs> we're perfect so i'll just start <laughs> yes i realize getting older that a lot of it is a mental battle am i good enough to do it am i doing enough mm-hmm. and am i being true to myself and there are a lot of doubts that creep in that are like well i don't know if this is your right path since i left the youtube company a lot of it was like starting this podcast right there was no particular point but through it, it learned so much and it helped me through my depression, you know, and it wasn't about making something that I was like, oh, so I can get my voice heard so I can like put it on Instagram and touch all these people's lives. It was just like, I want to do it to see what it would be like to express myself authentically and to create something fun with Regina. And you're doing it. And we're doing it. Yeah. 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 And that's when you feel fulfilled. You feel, you feel fulfilled. You feel fulfilled. Yeah. All the fulfilled. But it's like a day-to-day thing because yeah. sometimes you wake up and you're just like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. I've had so many of those mornings where I just wake up and I'm like, am I even doing this for the right reasons mm. anymore? Am I the right person to be doing this? Like, why me? Of all the people who are out there who are more talented, who are more eloquent, in the way that they speak. And it makes me feel very insignificant in what I'm trying to do. And so that's been a constant battle, right? And then when I have these doubts, I also look to my parents and I'm like, how do I prove to them that what I'm doing is meaningful and will lead me to success? And when I'm- Haven't even proved it to yourself. Yeah, I haven't even proved it to myself. 
Yeah, I think it's the whole sense of taking responsibility. Your parents are more able to trust what you're saying when you take responsibility for what you're saying versus just saying it because it sounds good. It sounds like you know what you're talking about, but behind the scenes, you're not willing to do the grunt work, you know, to do what needs to be done in order to pursue this dream versus this other path that they feel it's more stable, the outcome's more more sense. sense. Yeah. Yeah. If you are pursuing a different path than what your community, where your parents or your family expects of you, then the expectation is on you to figure it out for yourself versus like, oh yeah, I want to like go to business school because I want to try it out, but can you pay for it? There's nothing wrong with taking money from your parents, but then you have to be responsible for that, then follow through, you know, Mm -hmm. and then take all the opportunities you can to maximize the most out of that experience versus doing the bare minimum and then realizing, oh, I don't like it and I'm going to switch it again. And then can you pay for this? I like, if I were a parent, I would just be like, you better get your life together, you know, (laughs) you know, but I understand where it's like, yeah, you guys chasing both your paths. It's not like, oh, mom and dad, like, can you help me do this? Can you help me email? I don't know what to do. And it's like, go out and find the answers versus Mm -hmm. doing the easy thing and asking somebody to do it for you or somebody else to figure out. Yeah. It's really simple. You can do it. Like, just do it. If you don't know exactly how to do it, you could sit on that for a long time. And it's like, you don't need to know exactly how. You really don't. You can look up a few articles, ask a few friends how. But the most important thing is to just, I can't avoid it. (laughs) You just do it. You absolutely can. No matter how young you are, no matter how you feel like you're inexperienced, you can email that person that you want to connect with. That's something that would earn someone's respect way more than like, ooh, you know, I put all these things on my resume. Yeah, I think that like even when I was looking for jobs, I've never gotten a job by just applying online. I had to go out and make connections and network with people and get to know people because that is the best way. I think that it's really hard to judge thousands of applicants just off of a piece of paper. I think like everybody has the same cookie cutter resume. Yeah, It's just formatted the same way. They use the same key terms, (laughs) you know, management, delegated. Read all the same articles about how to form your resume. Yeah, exactly. So then when you think you're standing out, you're just actually doing the exact same thing as everyone else. What really sets you apart is when you have tried different things Definitely. and you actually can walk into an interview or communicate that on your cover letter or however you reach out to these people from a true place that you understand the difference between a and b this is what you've learned this is what you tried this is how you failed and this is how you're pivoting from it there are a lot of things that don't require for them to pay you you can volunteer your time you you can go to an event and actually like get to know people interview people talk to people and there's so, there's many, so many ways, ways. you don't yeah. have to be a creative to be creative about the ways that you go about finding your job Mm -hmm. like don't even do the most prestigious thing don't wait till you find like the highest sounding thing to do like do that thing that's unique to the way you thought about it that's like really special yeah and i think also like with me you know it's always easier looking in hindsight like oh that makes sense like oh that's why that happened for me to get here it's always easier to you know look back at that that's why this podcast exists yeah (laughs) but i think that like you know when i'm when i'm in it like there are definitely times where I just feel like I know who I am as long as I stay true to myself, work hard in any way that I know how. In time, the right opportunity will come. Yeah. One of those things I was wondering now that I'm on my own, being hyper aware of what everyone else is doing is a little bit confusing to me. It makes me feel like everything I put out has to be everything that I am all at once, all the time. So it's a self-imposed pressure. I always am like, I just want to be 
everything, everywhere, all the time. I have this like insatiable frustration that I can't get to everything all at once. And I've always felt that. And now it's like, like highlighted because everything by definition is so much bigger than the everything that I grew up with. I don't want to spread myself too thin. Mm -hmm. And so what I do, I think because of my personality, like I just sometimes recluse and I'm like, well, if I'm not going to put out good material, I don't want to put out anything at all. Yes. Because why should I why should I put it out in a world that won't receive it like when I could be doing things that are quiet but functional? Mm. Oh, I really relate to that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that like in terms of like social media in my life now that it dictates my validation for things because I feel like very conscious of it. I know that I've fought so hard to be where I am now and everything has been so intentional that there's just no way that like a post on Instagram is going to make me feel like any more or less of a designer because that's not really my work and that it wasn't my goal to be in any level of like the public eye like when I was in my formative years so why should it be something that I care about now but it's something in itself that it's something that I even think about. Yeah. yeah. That's something that's crossed my mind. How yeah. much does it affect me? Yeah. And I think it's a nice transition into what are your guys' advice in hindsight and also for people who do look up to you guys or have followed your path or want to choose an unconventional path. Like what's a heads up that you would give to them? If I could relay one message, it would be, oh, this sounds so corny, but I want to light a fire in you. And if you have a fire, then I want to have you realize what a treasure that is and to not take it for granted and make yourself feel guilty over the fact that you're interested in something. If I could have a picture of what the environments that I exist in now, like back then, that would be so enlightening because I now will be in rooms of people where I'll be like, oh, so how did you come to be, you know, ex creative career? And I'll be, you know, mentally prepared to share a little bit about, you know, what I've struggled through not in a negative way, but just kind of like, I'm so grateful to be here, you know, like I've, I've loved this like for so long. And then I'll hear people say, and you listener will hear people say, oh yeah, I mean, I tried out playing the guitar and then it didn't really work out. So then I went to study econ and it didn't, you know, I, I decided I would design like a logo for a friend and then it just like led up to this job I have now, I guess. And that is, that's a viable path. I respect that. We, we all reach where we're at for a reason. But if you have a fire, and I'm saying this because I feel like I hear this desperate, guilty message from people that have a fire and don't know what to do with it. Like, know that you're going to encounter that in your future, and that will feel so terrible. Don't, don't land yourself in a situation where you remember a dream you had, and you could have easily chased it with, like, every intention in your body but you're next to a guy that kind of fell into where you ended up now guiltily you know you're gonna end up in the same place so you might as well really embrace the ride that is so good i think that to me my advice would just be to really give it everything you have if there's something that you want to do try to find loopholes back holes exactly what you were saying earlier where it was like you know work smart not hard And I think that when you yourself give it your all, you will start to have confidence in yourself and that confidence will exude and other people will be able to see it and feel it. But by that point, like it won't even matter anymore because you 
know what you want. Mm-hmm. I feel like what both of you guys are saying, I agree with that everyone has a fire in them. You just have to find out where, where that fire exists. And don't diminish it or try to put it out because you want to fit in with somebody else because they have a fire here and you don't. I realize that it's very specific, actually, the fire, because you can love art. Then you're like, oh, I'm just like a lot of people that love art and then I could draw, right? And you go and you're like, oh, maybe oh, my dream job is to work at Disney Animation or Nike or whatever. Well, you'll learn along the way that what's important is to follow the why, which is an answer that you always knew. Like Jeanette always knew, right? That when you were a kid that you wanted to pursue a creative career. Yeah. You know, when you were saying like, oh, as a kid, you like to rhyme and see like, (laughs) you know, the the different word plays. Yeah. You saw the art in that, which now that's what you're doing, which is insane, right? It's like, I didn't realize that until this conversation, to be honest. I was going to say too, like earlier when Christine like messed up her, jumbled up her words and said, fulfill, you're like, ooh, I really like that. (laughs) Like I saw the spark in your eye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's about the perspective and that's what everything in hindsight makes more sense, right? <laughs> but then where we are now, our views are pretty narrow because if you were to ask me years before, I didn't even know that YouTube producing wasn't even a thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. And from where you are now, you may feel like you're out of place, but then that's maybe because what you're meant to do is not even created yet. Yeah. And it's something very specific as you go See, that's along. that's amazing. That's so crazy that's to think so about. That's so exciting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't do it, then who will, you know? And if you have that fire in you and you're the one, this is where it, I'm going to tighten on nicely with Ooh. our title. Okay, Drum you guys roll. ready? I know, right? Oh my God. <laughs> the whole title of being responsible about chasing your purpose it all ties in with this when you focus on what your fire is and why you have that fire you yourself as a person you feel that energy develop in you kind of that insatiable appetite to always be better but also content and happy that you are pursuing something that means something to you specifically i think that a fear that a lot of people have is that when you're chasing your fire a lot of people that consider the creative pursuit think that they're being selfish and it's yes it is about fulfilling you but there is a reason that you'll realize of why that fulfills you. I don't like picking up a stick every day and applying color to paper. That's not my passion. It's like the potential of impacting like people around you. It's not selfish. It's actually the most useful thing you can do. It is the most useful you can be to the world to be very true to yourself because the world could use one less person that is wandering around trying to pursue something that they didn't even want to, not even going to be good at, and just trying to fulfill someone else's dream or box. The exact thing when you said you can either be a really crappy doctor versus a very impactful and intentional designer. Because the difference is I wouldn't want to go to that doctor that doesn't care, that, yeah. that just did it because you're supposed to do that. It's stable. It, it gives insurance to all my family and et cetera, right? <laughs> no, it's like, like terrifying when I hear my friends in med school and they're like, oh, well, I passed. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I just like, as long as I passed, I'm fine. Yeah, but then there is a huge difference when you care about something. You're constantly in it because the inspiration comes from you, right? Like you see other people doing their thing and you get inspired and you tweak it in your own way. And then that's where the idea comes from. You just have to have faith. No mm-hmm. one else is going to tell you why you're useful, especially at a young age. Mm-hmm. You can't think that just because you know, you're a certain thing that you're any less useful to people. Otherwise, you're just not going to be good at your job. And also like fundamentally as a human being, when you're not a happy person, you emit that energy to everybody. Even if 
something you don't think that you do, like that negative energy affects, like it could affect the person that you bumped into at the parking garage that's or like totally cut you off. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. These things are not things you like brush aside. And we don't talk about these things when we talk about career and design and all that. But it is okay and absolutely necessary to dedicate time to friends, family, and your relationships, making sure those are healthy. Because honestly, if you're a good person and then you are open to growth, that makes you a million times better at your job. I think that your energy, people can feel that. Like I think that, you know, just sitting in this room, talking with you guys, having this conversation, I can feel the passion that you guys have for this topic and how much you want to spread the message of being like, be true to yourself. Like it's infectious. And I think that that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a blessing to be able to do this. So I love talking about it like with you guys and realizing like how we got here. It's not been an easy path, but I would not want it any other way. Mm. And that's the responsibility of really pursuing your purpose. Like there's so many things other than just the passion. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, this is such a good... Is this, is this the after podcast? Yeah. <laughs> so much for, for being a part of this. I'm yeah. so honored to be able to be on it. Honestly, people say that and it's like an, an overused word, but this is my first time being on like an interview or podcast with people I know, like IRL. So it's like so comfortable and like window to a real conversation. Yeah. This is basically just like a second part two of like the lunch conversation that we had yeah. before this. <laughs> yeah. I really hope that people who listen to this, like you really walk away with Jeanette's ultimate message of light that fire, keep that fire going. Don't ever feel guilty about it. And it's your responsibility to actually keep it going and fueling it. Yes. And there's so many ways to fuel it, but it is your responsibility to do so. Thank you for painting that in the right light. It's hard to always like get the message across. Girl, I got you like you said it in a poetic I had no way doubt. yeah you designed this podcast oh. episode girl. Yeah. so what are you working on now where can people find you mm, so i'm working under an agent now as a freelancer mm. so it's actually a great time to find me yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm freelancing in new york and i'm on instagram uh, my name jeanette liao website jeanette liao.com twitter Everything is Jeanette Liao. I'm the only one. Wow. wow that's she, very special. She killed everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> She's my, gotten my rid of everyone else. thought out this whole social media thing. <laughs> we'll be sure to link all of Jeanette's work and Instagram and social handles. So be sure to follow her. And if you've related to this podcast, please don't be afraid to send us an email at theperfectlyimperfectpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear these stories. We do read every single email and it means so much to us. And, you know, we hope to continue creating content that continues to inspire you guys, but also things that you can connect with because you guys inspire us to create the content i always say this but it's like you're not alone Mm -hmm. so if you're feeling lost you're feeling like you don't know where to start this is just a conversation that we hope you can continue on and ask yourself the tough questions and really focus on what is true to you and i I really encourage you guys if this really speaks to you and you want to talk to your friends about it send them this episode and you guys can continue on the conversation you're actually going to realize that amongst your group of friends there might be more people than you that feel that same way maybe just in a different industry but you're not alone yeah definitely so we will see you guys next week bye (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> 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 <laughs>